This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We're so glad that you're here today. You know, I, I love what, what Pastor Tom shared this morning in the sense that there cannot be a renaissance without a reformation. That we're people that is here to forward the kingdom agenda that is based on the word. And without a godly vision, we cannot build a nation. You know, after we've gotten people born again, born of the spirit as Pastor Tom was talking about, one of the things that we must do is give them a sense of belonging in the body of Christ. They are not just joining a church. They're joining God's family. They are becoming sons of God. They are joining a community of believers. And as Pastor Tommy and Pastor Milton were saying, we must give them a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. I love what we taught in this house. You know, Pastor Bonnie, one of Pastor Bonnie's favorite statements, that your involvement is the key to your core. And your response is the key to your destiny. So we do want to give you a sense of purpose. You know, picking up from belonging, our greatest desire in relationship, and when we have relation, when we form relationship, is the desire to know and be known. Community is defined as a group of people living in the same place and having a particular characteristic in common. The two words that make up the word community is common and unity. Our common union or our community is centered around Christ as believers. And it is the journey of every believer to become more and more Christ-like. Throughout the scriptures, we see a pattern where God establishes establishes himself firstly in the individual. I love what Pastor Thomas was, was, uh, taught us this morning. That the whole mandate of this ministry is to first bring reformation to the individual. And when an, an individual experiences the reformation uh, of godliness according to Christ and is working towards Christ-likeness, they can begin to influence their family and bring reformation to their family. Reformed families make strong churches. Strong churches can speak to a nation. So we start at that individual level with reformation. And we see this pattern in Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, he's establishing covenant with him and he's sending him out of the land he's in. He says, go forth from your country to your, and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I'll show you. And I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you. And I'll make you, your name great, so that you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and anyone who curses you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families, turn to your neighbor, say all the families of the earth will be blessed. God has a family mindset. God has a family mindset. He says, come, let us, make, let us make man in our own image. In fact, he's in the family business. If we're looking at it, you would say it's kind of nepotistic. 
Because when there's any business to take care of, he chooses a son over anyone else. He favors a son over anyone else. When reconciliation and redemption needed to take place, he sent his only begotten son to reconcile himself to us. The pattern has not changed. The problems that we face on earth today, God says it's a family business and I'm looking for sons I can trust, whom I can show myself strong through to take care of family business. Are there any sons out there? So he says, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. At celebration, we believe we grow bigger by growing smaller. Smaller in terms of healthy, God-fearing, faith-based individuals. Smaller in terms of godly families. Smaller in terms of godly community, godly cells that live life together and a community that God relies on. That's why one of our values is we have a lifestyle of cells. The word lifestyle means a way of living, a way of life, a manner of living. It is a preference. For us, we choose, we prefer to live life together, to do life together with Christ at our center as we do family business. This morning I have a panel with me and they're going to assist me unpack this uh, mystery called community. So uh, why don't you welcome, and I'll introduce them, then you can. I've got Pastor Jones from Celebration Church. Chinoy is one of our province pastors. Pastor Karen G, she works with our young adults here in Baradol, but part of the Roots ladies, they just recently graduated. Brother Sam, he's in our men's ministry and is in the leadership there. Kuda, this guy, I heard Dr. McConey speaking of uh, uh, sorry, government. <laughs> this, this is the war vet of cells. This is Kuda, 15 years in cells. This is Sister KD, another war vet. You know, you've got to balance them out, man. You know him, Tawanda. And then right at the end, we've got Ryan. He's also part of the men's movement. Let's quickly get into this. Tawanda, I want to start with you. How long have you been in the church? Wow, Pastor Taz, I've been in the church for 11 years now. 11 years. 11 years, joined in 2008. Joined in, two, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, 2008 was a real <laughs> interesting year, as Pastor Tom was saying this morning. But, uh, Tawanda, uh, rumor got to us that you are not in a cell. Uh, 11 years in the church, not in a cell, leading worship. Wow. Yeah, Pastor Taz, I am not in a cell, but it's not like I was not in a cell since 2008. Uh, I joined the church 2008, joined a cell group in 2009. For three years, I was in a cell, rose through the ranks, became an intern in that cell. But at some point in 2011, the cell broke up. The host moved to Westgate, and I just decided to stop going to cell. Then after and then those those kind of things happen, cells <laughs> <laughs> break up, people yes. move, yeah. you know, they get served notice. Or in this house, Pastor Tom teaches us to buy a house yes. and those kind of things. And when you know they might upgrade from 
one dale dale to another dale dale people move <laughs> yes they move past the tires and i did join another cell eh right um about two years after that joined another cell same thing uh went through the ranks became an intern then after two and a half years the cell did what moved again oh my that's God. when i then just decided to say pastor Taz, you know what i think uh i'm done with cells so from that point you stopped yes. what was your experience like in cell um it was good at some point but the second cell for me was very boring pastor i felt like why should i keep going to this cell it was boring and i felt like i was not growing at all i was just there I was in the music ministry and I was doing what I was doing but I was not growing I was just in a cell group with people but I was not growing positive I was not Let's just find out from our outfit over here uh, I mean <laughs> you've been in cell stuck through cell 15 years uh what happens when you're in a cell well you may be in a cell that moves then you may be in a cell that's boring then you may be in a cell where you're not growing All right <clears throat> So I've basically been in all those different scenarios. Um I joined Salon I think about 2004 thereabouts. Um and then initially it was a band cell and then that morphed into something else and then actually then um I was encouraged after a discipleship class that I did with you Pastor Taz during the Purple Book days. Um then I ended up starting my own cell. Um and you see what what happens with cell is that you you meet all kinds of different people you know and you, you actually start to realize that people are different and you know Christians have issues and <laughs> really really <laughs> and but then you know you 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 really then have to learn that because people are so dynamic you're going to have some exciting people you're going to have boring people you're going to have people who are energetic and are engaged and you're also going to get people who are just you know a bit laid back and passive so it's it's well, what have you done when <laughs> you've have you encountered people like that different kinds of people definitely okay um and so for me you know i i think initially when you join sal you're getting in there to i guess to get something because yeah. you want to you know you want to be part of something but as you progress through sal the objective really should be to start giving Right. Because I think that that's really what what it needs to get to that you you can't just be there to keep getting. You right. you have to get to a point now where you you start giving. I suppose it goes back to Dr. McCorney's point where disciples, those that are being discipled, are beginning to disciple. Right. And and is that where the boring phase kicks in? Is is that maybe a signal that it's my time to give? I mean, how has it worked with you? I think okay, so I I would say it's in two parts. So the first thing is that if you're in a cell and it's it's boring, right? right? This we'll use that word lightly. Um <laughs> if it's if it's boring then I think there should be space for you to find another cell. So I think it's okay to actually cell shop to find the the right fit for you. However, the second part is that if it's boring and not happening for you, maybe you're the one who's supposed to bring the life. Yeah. So so you have to look at it from those two angles that maybe you're the one who's actually supposed to then make the difference in that setting. Good. I I remember and I can re- totally relate with and I hope my 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 second cell leader is not in here. Um but yeah, I I had a, a less than dynamic cell that I was a part of. And um it was my best friend at the at the time we were working uh for one of the fast food outlets and we used to have access to 
uh, or we used to have allowances to get food. So we had such a, an interestingly non-dynamic time in cell. So my friend and I decided, you know, every weekend would get some chicken, get some ribs, get some meat, you know, and braai. So, you know, we had a very big cell. There was three of us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden, our cell began to grow. We moved from three to six to 15, 27. Then we were refusing to multiply. But every weekend, it was our, almost like our habit. Yeah, ribs, we start ribs our ribs on, on Saturday. Ribs do tend to have that effect. <laughs> we start on Saturday, and there would be leftovers, and then we'll go after church on Sunday. But we began to get community. And I guess the point I'm trying to get to is you can actually be the solution sometimes right. when you're bored. Now, you brought up an interesting point about sell shopping. And, uh, you know, you're allowed to sell shop. Why is that? Why, you know, I thought you stick to a sell, get into a sell. That's where you're supposed to be. I think the reason is that we have to look at the purpose of, of sell. We want right. to build community. We, wanna, um, we want growth. And so if you're in a place where you're feeling like it's not really happening for you, the, I think we must always have the end goal in mind, which is that we want you to grow as a person. We want you to be with a, with a group of people that you feel like you know, you're, you're with a family and you're contributing something. So if that's being stifled by your current cell group, then I, I think you, know, you should be able to have the conversation to say, you know what, uh, I want to I try something different. So this, I think this would speak to our approach because the purpose then is for us to get acquainted, right. for you to get into a family, to have a sense of belonging. Um, and yet, Pastor Jones, from an FOC perspective, sometimes uh, when someone gets born again, putting them in a cell is very mechanical. It's like, hey, uh, let's see, let's put you in a cell and it's, you know, just the cell that's on the paper and that's where you put them. Is that working for you? <coughs> Not necessarily pastor ties. I, I think, you know, you need to be intentional and deliberate in terms of how you go about it. I think he talks, talked about cell shopping. You know, you want the right fit. You know, you want the right person. I mean, the, the right uh, dynamics in that cell that are fitting the individual that you are allocating to that cell, without which they may find it difficult to settle in and, and hate it, and it becomes boring. So that means we... we must take some time to be intentional, to look at uh, helping create the fit, or look at the kind of profile the, the person's in and the kind of profile the cell is, and look at how they fit. And it may not work all the time, but at least we're taking the time to be intentional about it. Speaking of, you know, fits, um, I know men uh, kind of, you know, have, you know, the real man program, and in there, they do quite a lot through cell. Uh, Sam, what is, what is the purpose of, of uh, MIM and, and the Real Man Movement? Thank you, Pastor. So the, the overall objective is essentially that Christ-likeness and uh, manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. So it's, it's just another platform to have cell as men where men get an opportunity to, to share of themselves. Sometimes in a home cell, there are issues that a man will be going through that he is not too keen to show or expose himself, maybe in front of his wife or family. And in this setup, it's, it's an opportunity to have 
a surplus, if you must, where people are, have the opportunity as men to deal with manly issues and the things that they're going through, where other men can relate and give guidance, direction, and just share with them some of their own experiences. Now, there's this impression that, you know, MIM is this place where you get grilled, you get roasted, you know, you put on a spit, you're exposed, and, and you know, everything else that may go with putting a man through torture. Is, is that correct? Well, I think uh, in life, when life happens to people, we go through so many different issues, and we come out scarred, injured, and experiencing so many different things in our life. And the first thing I'll say is men's cell or MIM is really a safe place. Uh, one of the, the, the values we're you're, you're saying it's safe. They're <laughs> saying it's dangerous. <laughs> so I think when you, when you look at it, once life has, has had its way with you, you come out of, of it wounded, having experienced different things. And as with a wound, there are different ways to treat it. You can come in with a wound and people can give it time to heal. It can have a gradual effect where people talk you through it and you walk through the process of healing. And sometimes, as with, as with some wounds, there's need to maybe hold you down as they douse, douse the pain out of that. Douse some spirit on it. Put some spirit on or it. Or put some salt on it. Yeah, just... Uh, but the idea really isn't to, to leave you more injured than when you came in. The idea really is to help you move from the place you come in at and to grow from that, that point, which is why it's very much like cell. It's a place of growth, and the main thing is to open yourself up to those growth, growth points. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you correct, it's a two-prong approach. Yes. Uh, the first approach is, hey, uh, we see their wounds there, and let's let that wound allow, time, allow it time to heal while we deal with it. Sure. You know, or if it's a dangerous situation, life-threatening situation, you may want to just sometimes hold the patient down while you stop the bleed or stop the, to preserve their life. Is that correct? That is correct. It's, it's sometimes said more graphically than it is, but it's easier to, to have you fall on your sword than to push you through it. It's easier to have you fall on your sword. The point being, the sword still goes through. <laughs> now, now um, you, you're telling me in the back room that your payoff line is leave no man behind. Sure. How do you reconcile leave no man behind, yet you have uh, three graduating phases? You've got Be That Man, you've got MIM, you've got commissioning, and at each stage, you may or may not graduate. How do you then reconcile that with leave no man behind? Okay, so I think one of the things that we've been very deliberate with uh, in this season is to ensure that once a man joins a particular grouping of men as a cell, uh, they are men's cells within our program, once you're within that men's cell, we try and ensure that you continue to go through the stages with that cell. So from be that man, your whole cell group if, if you've all made it, go to MIM and so on. One of the things we do say is if one of the members has not made it, it is, it is the owners of those who are within the cell group to keep them coming for cell 
uh, our cell groups are not done at the same time as our program. So whenever people meet, even if someone doesn't make it, we'd like you to keep meeting with them and to keep encouraging them and walking through with them. And it may be that you don't, you don't make it in the first year, but as you keep going, going along with your brothers, you do then, you can join the next program and then also come, come on board. Yep, and just to add on Pastor Taz, uh, people tend to have the wrong view in terms of the men's ministry, in terms of MIM and uh, be that man. Uh, because of what you've just been saying, one of Vunduka. And, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, when we say we leave no man behind, uh, at the end of the whole 10 months of doing measuring in men, people expect uh, a certificate. We believe in rewarding people, but people end up uh, expecting a certificate that that's the approval that they are now uh, a measured man. Um, menhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. So our main aim is to make uh, each man more Christ-like in, in everything that they do, in, in, in the way they live. We want the man that you see at MIM to be the same man that you see in the business arena, that you see at home, the priest of the house. So it's not really about the certificate. You did not become a pastor when you got ordained. You don't become a doctor when you get a certificate. So you become... Uh, being, being a mighty man is, is a journey. You become a mighty man way before you even get certified. So whether you get certified or not, that shouldn't hurt you. Okay, because you're basically dying to yourself. It's bound to hurt. And at the end of MIM, if you're still complaining that you did not get a certificate, I've never heard of a dead person speaking. So that means in terms of dying to yourself, you're not yet dead. You're not yet there and you still need to carry on. But Ryan, It's painful. It's painful, you know, and, and I think let's, let, even in that, we acknowledge that it is painful. But if I'm hearing you correctly, the, the objective, even though we recognize the graduation, the objective is what you're becoming, which is more important. And, and we have had cases where people have graduated or have slipped through the process and have graduated, but their character is less than what is required. And vice versa, you've had those that are really working on it, but because of a mistake and we are fallen, they may not graduate. So I think what you're saying is uh, the, pros, the, 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 the whole objective of the process, what you, you said, Sam, is Christ-likeness. What are you becoming as opposed to what are you getting? Am I correct? It is a process of becoming. Good. Yeah. Pastor Jones, uh, I heard Dr. McQuarrie speaking about uh, churches, planting churches. You've been a part of uh, many church plants. How have you seen, uh, you know, men, what men are doing or what women are doing, helping in, in the objective of the ministry and the objective and the mandate of reformation? The, the men's movement, I think it's, a, it's an amazing program. Uh, I was part of Westgate Church, I think, in its establishment. And as an assistant pastor, what we quickly realized was that Westgate Church was a church that had been started by women that were strong and were rightfully taking their positions and making the church tick. But our men were a bit laid-back, docile, and what we quickly did, because most of I've heard us... that before. Most of us, <laughs> conveniently most of us, I think it was Pastor Jeff, myself, um, uh, Bennett, we had gone through the men's movement and we happened to have been in the same cell. And we were intentional and deliberate in 
raising other men. You know, the Bible in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, you know, the thing you have learned from me, commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we're able to raise other men to step up. And it's amazing how when they stepped up and began to take their position, the church began to experience exponential growth. And best get, as they call it now, is what it is today because it is a strong men's movement. When I was deployed to Chinoy, I quickly took the same model. I didn't formalize it. I just took three key books. I think it was Winners Never Quit, Quitters Never Win, uh, Maximize Manhood, and Courage. Those were my three tools that I used in an informal way to begin to raise men and to encourage them. It's amazing how they, when they stepped up to the plate and began to apply the principles, you know, Chinoy started on a, on a healthy note because men were leading from the front. And so for me, the men's movement has been amazing. It's ongoing. And recently, I mean, we saw the Roots graduation. I was sharing, I think, with some guys yesterday that I'm seeing the fruits of the Roots program recently after the graduation. And I can imagine what will happen going forward because there are ladies who have started engaging and our church is not the same anymore. You know, Pastor Jones, I want to commend you. Uh, every time Pastor Jones has deliberately... Um, made it his objective to send men, women, all the way from Chinoy, whenever programs are taking place. Uh, they get together as a church, you sponsor them, they come here, they get trained, and you're seeing the benefit uh, of that training. So we just want to commend you for that. And, you know, now you've just gone out and you've planted, um, you've planted Chegutu, and you're using those same men and women to go and plant those churches. I think this goes back to what Dr. Mokoni was talking about. There is an overall mandate that we have of churches that plant churches. But the way that's done is through disciples who make disciples. In this case, like you said, you had men that discipled men. And now recently you've got women that disciple women. Pastor Karen, jump in there. Roots, I see you in your Roots attire. There and jump in. So what has Roots been like for you? I mean, what have you picked up from there? I think a lot of the ladies will agree that Roots was an answered prayer. Uh, a much long-awaited prayer to, you know, as you've been watching the men go through, be that man um, and majoring in men. And we know they say that behind every strong man is, is of course, a, a very supportive woman. So, um, so it, it, it definitely was a platform for us to begin to discover our identity in Christ and to be able to begin to grow those roots down into, into that strong foundation of Christ. Women love to talk. We love just to be intimate, and so it's given us that platform as well to build strong, real relationships. Well, you know, they've said women's uh, loving to talk can also be a danger, especially at soul level, uh, you know, uh, because of the nature that tends towards gossip. Uh, and, you know, in the church here, we, we have, you know, we have uh, some what we call car park assassins. <laughs> You know, they, they, after church, they're out in the car park assassinating everything that was happening either in church or assassinating someone. H how do you balance... <laughs> how do you balance then having sullen roots with such a dangerous thing uh, being there with women that your nyayas may end up <laughs> in the car park? Well, I'd like to believe that after roots, we've been taught well. Ladies, we've been taught sobriety. So we are very sober, 
Um, and we have a commitment card. I think some of the things that we are trained through the Roots program and we commit to is to being honest, um, is to helping each other, uh, being open in ourselves, and we commit to confidentiality. And so when you make yourself that vulnerable in a cell group to be able to share openly, um, there will always be the risk, Pastor Taz, that perhaps your story might end up with the car park assassins. I don't know who they are. Um, but I think the flip side and the most important side is that by sharing your story, um, there's a greater victory. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And what we found through sharing our stories is that, um, number one, you're not alone and someone else has either gone through it or is going through it. So it does help in terms of building real relationships when we can be real. Yep, and also Pastor Taz, it's um, the same thing with, uh, with MIM. Uh, we're mainly... Are you saying men can be car park assassins as well? <laughs> yes, men can be car park assassins. Anyone can be a car park assassin. Um, but with what we've come to, to, our, to agree on as men, as she was saying, we've got things that we've committed to is that you can't discuss someone in their absence. If you want to talk about me, I have to be sitting next to you or I have to be part of that group. So by that agreement, that's, that's, that's not gossip. The only time that you speak about me is when is in my presence. And that way you can only speak uh, out of love, out of something that builds me up. Good. And I think that's a good point. So, and I do know that as a church... As a church, we do have a very strong policy on confidentiality. If one does break that confidence, there are consequences uh, to it. So, you know, we cannot guarantee it 100%, but, you know, we, we do know that if it is found out that confidence has been broken, there will be consequences. There will be consequences. So just be careful of that. Uh, now, I don't know who to direct this to. I can direct it either to the men or to, the, or to you, Pastor Karen. Uh, another thing that's come out here is uh, the gospel is free. Why are we paying in roots? Why are we paying in be that man? Why, why do you make us pay when the gospel is free? I, I think I'll take that. So the gospel is free, and uh, when the gospel is preached, they tends, it, it really, whenever we hear the word, it, you're just given freely. However, some of the material that we use is copyrighted and is generated from other sources. And as we, as we give that material out to people, we have to recover the cost of that material and ensure that we really put a markup on, on the material and we just try and pass on the cost of the material as is to people as, as we get it. So that's the first reason why there's a charge to, to what we do. The second thing is that we've noticed that sometimes with people, when something is free, people do not give it as much value as something they've, they've committed to with their financial gain. And when you put your money to something, you're more likely to want to ensure you get your money's worth than when, you, when you've just got something for free. So that value addition is something we've also seen as being a reason for putting a price to some of the programs. Yep, and also pastors, we, we are mainly trying to, to build people, build dreams, that, that means we have to walk in faith. Um, at the beginning of, of uh, the MIM journey, you're actually given a 10-month program in terms of the summits and the money that you need to go through the program. Um, and 
provision, as we've been taught, one of the principles, provision follows vision. Just because you've got that vision that you'll be needing this amount of money in October, and people have testified that I, when, when I started MIM, I didn't even go to work, I didn't have a job. But at the end of the session, at the end of the whole program, I've, I've managed to get a job, I'm now working, I've even managed to pay for summits, and other men that I've been working with, uh, I've built relationships that have also helped me to, to build myself up, that have also helped me in terms of my business, in terms of achieving the things that I only thought I, I could achieve through faith. And just us saying that you, any man can, can be able to go on a summit, any man can be able to go through MIM even if you're unemployed. That takes faith, first of all. That takes you building real relationships where other men start also paying even for your fees because of the relationships that you've built. So when, when just like we, we talk of in Cell Life, uh, life is for life. So we're doing life together, we're doing everything together. Even if a brother is lacking, we don't leave them behind just because their finances. We gather our resources and we carry each other on. So, if I'm hearing you correctly here, it's, it's, we, we don't want you to look at this as a hindrance, but more as an opportunity for you to step out in faith. True, and with the ladies, um, I mean, the T stands for team player in Roots, and one of the things that we promote and encourage is sponsor a sister. Um, and for me, it speaks to, I mean, this week in our Bible reading in Luke 5, we read of the story of the men who carried their friend um, and literally brought him down through the roof to be able to meet with Jesus. And sometimes that's what it takes is you might not be able to, but through the relationships and the people around you, they'll be the ones to sponsor you and help you through to get to that place of encounter. Um, so, and, and what we've also seen is that for people who at some point were sponsored, there comes a season where they can also then be able to sponsor ah, other people. So I see it's that process that disciples making disciples. Once you were sponsored, and then you're more likely to also sponsor someone in their time. So the objective still is growth. We want you to grow. That's amazing. Now, my last question, I mean, let me put it out to the panel. Here's a concern. We've gotten in cell, whether it's women's cell, men's cell, conventional cell, whatever cell it is, cell is our lifestyle. I've made my friends, and there's a concern there that, hey, I've gone to cell, and those guys are a clique. You can't even get into their space, you know, and it, it almost blocks out new people coming. What's the story with this click thing? Uh, I, when, when I joined uh, my, my first cell, uh, we were mainly couples, and we became so close, we became a family, we became a click, and we didn't realize it, that we... Uh, we could, we, we, it was difficult for someone to get into our circle. So when a new member joined in, they had to take me aside and say, Aish, eh, you know when you're at cell, there are some of these jokes that you crack and everyone is laughing and I'm just thinking, ah, are they laughing at me or what am I missing? <laughs> Mainly because we've shared life together and we are not accommodating uh, this new person. So, so I, I mean, then how do we deal with that? Do, do, you, do you not become close so people come in? All right, um, so I'll just share a brief story. I, I started a cell group um, a few years ago called, we called it the Avengers. And I'm a big Marvel fan. Um, so, <laughs> so we called it the Avengers. It, it was like a really cool cell group. Um, lots of young professionals and it really started growing. But what, what then started happening is that with that cell group, we became very close. And so when a new person came in, they often felt like, you know, they, 
they couldn't really be a part of it. So what I then had to do as a, as a leader was to, um, to sort of feel out, you know, if, if a new person comes, you, you've got to be able to sense where, where they're at. And so if something, if a discussion is happening, I think the responsibility of a leader is, you know, to scan the environment, see what's happening, and then come down to the level of that person to say, how do I get this person more involved? How do I get them to engage with what's going on? You know, you can't just let it happen organically. You actually have to be proactive. So I think the onus is on leaders as well, you know, to just, and other cell members, to say, you know what, yes, we're a family, yes, we're, we're close, but, you know, we're, we're not like a faction that, <laughs> that, that no one else can, can be a part of. I don't know you, know what, you know what, Kuda, um, that's probably one of the main reasons why I stopped going to cell, because, uh, yeah, the second cell I went to, they had their nyayas, their, their guans. They knew that if they say this, everybody knows what to say. Everybody would respond in a certain way. So from then on, I just decided to say, I, I think this part of the church is not me. It's, yeah, they can do so by themselves. So, so, because so, did you want to say something? I want to come in and say that was also the reason for me um, not going for sale because it was boring because I was not connected but just because a church I was saving as an usher I had to press on going to a boring cell where I was not counted in because a church were told if you are not saving you will not be able if you are not in a cell group you will not be able to save so I had to press, to press on in a boring cell where I was not even counted out I, I, I just, I just, I just want to say though, and I think that's a principle. If anyone knows this lady, and if you go to a cell, it will not be boring. The 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 pain of your past has become the passion of your future, as Pastor Body says, you know. And and but you know, I want to commend you because for going through that, for persevering, you know, because these things are real. But I think it's unlocked in you a passion for cells and a passion for vibrancy, a passion for people that is really not comparable. I mean, she's in Westgate. They run very vibrant cells there, and they really do a good job. But it's because you press through, and we're so grateful that there was someone pushing you, saying you need to be, <laughs> you need to be in a cell. So, kind of round this up right now. I didn't quite hear your answer. Do I, is it okay for us to be a click? Is it not okay for us to be a click? What, 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 what? I want to quickly jump in and say there's nothing wrong with the clicks. It's inevitable that when we begin to relate, we connect even at a deeper level. Right, you become. But I think it is when we stop growing. I think healthy things grow. As long as we are multiplying ourselves, I think, you know, we'll always have, I mean, I think of my Be That Man first cell. I think of my MIM first cell. We, we're still connected. We, we kind of still a click, but I think when the clicks formulate other clicks and we have the bigger click, I think it's okay. That's my excuse. Good. So, so I, I like that. When the, the, the click must not just remain a click inwardly, but if the click is creating other clicks, it's healthy. So click, click, create clicks. <laughs> Come on, let's just give our panel one more hand.
So I think we've seen from today's discussion and some of the messages that we've heard this morning that there are two basic pillars, if you can put that up, to building a church. And any church is founded on the foundation of Christ. Jesus says, upon this revelation, upon that revelation that Peter had that he was the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Those pillars, as Dr. McCone was saying, involve discipleship. And discipleship is founded on a process from Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20 where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you throughout this process. And Pastor Tom talked about it this morning. Our mandate is to become disciples of Christ. But not just stop there. It's to become disciples who make disciples. The second pillar is a community pillar, which is when we make disciples, we do need to give them a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of connectedness, so they in turn can make disciples. Jesus says this when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, the first is love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might and your strength. And the second one is just like it, which is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus himself lived this life out. It is really mind-boggling to think that Jesus' strategy to activate worldwide domination, to activate worldwide discipleship, was to pour his life out into 12 men. Jesus' strategy for reaching the world, for reaching you and I 2,000 years later, involved him, yes, going to the cross. But before he went to the cross, involved him pouring his life out and doing life with 12 men every single day for three years. We want to follow that pattern. We want to follow the same pattern of discipleship. We want to follow the same pattern that creates community, that loves God, that has us have real relationships with God and real relationships with one another. You know, our men, the real man movement, real actually stands for, the R stands for real relationships. Real relationships with God and with man. E stands for engaged Engage with your family, with your church, with your community. That's what we want each man. We want a man that has real relationships, a man that is engaged, a man involvement security or call, as Pastor Bonnie says. A stands for accountable. That is, there's a principle that we're taught, and that is, uh, you cannot have responsibility, or real responsibility comes with accountability. So we want to create a platform for accountability. And the L stands for longevity. We must build generationally. We heard Pastor Tommy and Pastor Moulton speak. Whatever we do as men has got to go beyond us, which is the same pattern of disciples who make disciples. So the process of doing this for men, you start off in BTM, be that man. You move on to MIM, which is majoring in manhood, intense program of study, then you get commissioned. For our ladies' roots, it's the same thing. follows the same pattern of discipleship and community. The R in roots, if you can put that up, 
stands for relationships as well. Developing character, values, loving God, self, and others. The O stands for obedience, biblical obedience and submission. The other O stands for organization, excellence. We have a standard of excellence. We believe that in this ministry. Quality for glory and beauty for ashes. Team player, you heard Pastor Karen speak about that. Keeping rank, patience, reverence, and doing life together in cells. And then S stands for service. That is in your home, in the house of God, and in the community. This is what we're building. This is why we believe in having a strong, healthy church. But to build strong, healthy churches, we build strong, healthy relationships. First, at an individual level with God, then corporately, healthy relationships together. And as we do that, we fulfill our mandate of becoming more and more Christ-like. And also, extend the influence of the kingdom and bring about reformation in the communities, in the nations that we're in. God is looking for a family. He is in the family business. He runs a family business. He's looking for sons and daughters that he can show himself strong through. As leaders, I pray that it starts with us. So if you're one of those that says, man, I fully understand like what Pastor Tom was saying. I'm part of a family. I'm part of the children of God. I'm in a family business. Would you just stand to your feet? As we close out and go for lunch in our uh, MCs are going to come out. Let's have this conversation. Conversation around the mandate that Jesus gave us to discipleship. To commit to making disciples. And the mandate to love God and love one another. Have community, be in his family. Let's think about, let's talk about what those things look like. But let us start with us. Let's commit to being discipled. Let's commit to discipling others. Let's commit to loving God and loving one another. So, Father, I just pray for us all here as your tribe of reformation. You've given us a mandate. You've given us a mission. You've given us an apostle and a an prophet. And this foundation, Father, you've asked us to build on for the purposes of the things that you've called them to in the nation of Zimbabwe and beyond. Father, today we commit ourselves to the things that you've commanded us to do. You've commanded us, Father, to make disciples of all nations, to spread your influence, to make your name known amongst those who don't know it. Father, you've commanded us to love you with everything that is within us, to present our lives as a living sacrifice before you, but also to love love one another, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So Father, we ask for wisdom as we heard this morning to see out this weighty responsibility that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that there's a grace upon each and every one of us to complete the good work that you've begun in us because your spirit is in us. Your word says, Father, you're faithful to see the completion 
the good work that you've begun in us. Not only that, Father, he says we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you prepared for us beforehand so that we may walk in them. Father, we commit ourselves to those good works and we declare that we'll walk in them. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit in us. In Jesus Christ's name. If you agree with that, say amen. Okay. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.